Yeah, looks good. No, because the guys who made Halo, Bungie, the original guys who made Halo, they don't produce it anymore. But like the guys who made Halo back in the day, Bungie, and mm. they had made a exclusive to Mac series of first person shooters called Marathon that I was like an avid player of because I had a lot of Macs growing up. Games that were exclusive to Apple? Like there was three of them and Marathon was one. And like, <laughs> so there you go. But no, that's why uh, Halo, the original Halo, was announced at, an, at a Mac conference, like at an Apple conference. And then okay. it got bought up by Xbox and brought over, or bought off Microsoft, I should say, and bought and brought over as an Xbox launch exclusive. So yeah. But yeah, no, the show, I'm, I, so I've been like following that series forever. Like, I played the original Halo on the Xbox. Me and my cousin played the shit out of the first two games on the original Xbox. And I played each of them. And when they come out, like I was just playing Infinite not too long ago on the Series X. So I will totally watch the show that you don't want to talk about because you're biased. I just cannot give a shit about it. it. Just What's fucking hilarious to me is that like you'll sit there and talk about like Wheel of Time and shit as a news item. Halo's 5,000 times way more up your alley than any <laughs> of that fantasy horse shit. Because it's like a good hard sci-fi with some weird creepy shit in it. Like wait yeah. till they get to the flood. You, I might make you watch it just so you can, I can see you react to the flood. Because you don't know what the flood is. You know, I, I, that's the thing. I have no idea have about no the story the of Halo whatsoever. Right? Oh my like, god, the flood will break you. The flood was like the coolest thing ever in 2001. Don't worry about <laughs> it. We'll get there. I, they must be doing that in the show. There's just no, like, the public awareness, public consciousness of Halo is just like, it's a futuristic first-person shooter and you mostly just do, like, multiplayer online, right? Are you, are you, this is the guy, you're trying to preach this shit at me as you're trying to get me to watch that Amazon Lord of the Rings show that looks like every <laughs> other generic fucking fantasy show on the planet, and you're going to complain about Halo looking generic? Come on, dude. <laughs> double standards. You have double standards. Just because it was a video game doesn't mean it's going to be shit. It's probably going to be shit because yeah, exactly. it was based on a video game. <laughs> it means that it has a very high probability of being shit based on every other you know, TV or streaming series or movie or whatever that has ever been based on a video game you're not wrong you're 100 <laughs> not wrong i'm still gonna fucking watch the shit out of it because i've watched all of this stuff at this point Fair enough. i used to read the books because there were books about the lore of halo really yeah man yeah it's like star wars extended universe yeah that's how good the quality of the writing was now y'all <laughs> i will allow that to sit there and <laughs> You guys can take that for whatever yeah, exactly. the fuck you want. <laughs> exactly. You can yeah, do do with that information what you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Make your own judgment. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. This is the 295th weekly episode of our podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe work point of view. I am Tim, coming to you from Toronto. I'm going to be hosting this week's primer for an upcoming series and with me i've got mark from saint Catherine. what's up everybody yeah i don't know it's just been just been busy i feel like the pandemic restrictions have all been lifted now i feel like i'm just waiting to see if the other fucking shoe drops or not right now that's i'm literally like sitting in my cave holding my breath waiting <laughs> for everybody else to get sick again yeah as everybody else goes out because i'm not getting sick fuck all of y'all we did have people over. We had we had cocktails and cupcakes this past weekend for Alicia's birthday, but like everybody was vaccinated. Alicia and I like tested before. I think some of the other people like tested before they came over and everything. So still being pretty cautious. 
Anyways, uh, let's get to this week's nerdy news. Some little bits and pieces, nothing really major. We did get a casting announcement for season three of The Mandalorian in that veteran sci-fi journeyman actor Christopher Lloyd is going to be playing a role in the new season. That fucking traitor. That fucking traitor. <laughs> but he joins a long list of, of actors that have now portrayed characters either in person or in voice in both main star franchises star trek and star wars star star franchises yes 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 yeah so having having played the the klingon general in was it star trek three three yeah yeah search for spock and yeah so i i, I love christopher lloyd i think he, yeah man he, you know his kind of weirdo offbeat look will probably work well in the mandalorian universe how have they not got him in star wars already that's what like <laughs> Given the way he like looks and emotes, you think they would have got him? Just does so little these days, right? He's always kind of working, but like he worked pretty solid through the eighties, and they never got him in any of the original ones. You'd think he'd be one of those guys. Actually, no, I guess he would have. He just kind of gotten started, right? Because he didn't really yeah, like yeah. He was on Taxi and stuff. Yeah, Taxi was like late seventies, and then oh, all right, Back well. to the Future wasn't until like late eighties, kind of thing, right? So he really didn't get started in movies until late eighties. And then you missed the prequels. You think, yep. But still, you think. I'm glad he's getting a chance to do it, though. You know, Chris Lloyd's fucking awesome. He always yeah. brings it when he does this kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's Mandalorian. The show's fucking awesome. Even the cameos where I'm like kind of shrugging at him, like, oh, these have turned out okay. Like the Bill Burr one. Like, I don't give a shit yeah. about Bill Burr one way or the other, but that episode was pretty good. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got a little bit of a teaser about something that's going to happen in the distant future of the mcu nova apparently is going to be coming to the mcu and sabir pirzada who is one of the writers for moon knight which we're going to be talking about tonight is developing a project for nova no word if it's going to be a streaming series a movie or what but yeah just another you know relatively big comic book character that's going to be making it into the movies now good thing uh, they've blown up this homeworld already. Yeah, is it Xandar? Yeah, he was on. He's from the original. The, like the Rick Ryder version is for, is like based on Xandar. So I don't know how that's gonna work into it. And it's, they're gonna be very removed from that by the time like they get to this show. You'd think they would have had one of this one kind of lined up to feed into all the trauma that they seem to be like <laughs> on doing right now, right? You think they want to have that guy? Could they feed it into the Adam Warlock shit? Like, would it would it work being related to that? In some way, see now I don't know what the Adam Warlock stuff's going to be now. Is it origin so tied to the Gauntlet? This must be completely different in the movies. Yeah, I'm also not remembering everything correctly because I read all of this stuff in the '90s. There's a lot of weed between then and now, so things are (laughs) crazy. Is this a character you have much in the way of interest or investment in? Nova's kind of like Marvel's take on the Green Lantern Corps in a lot of ways. Like he's a space cop and stuff like that. So no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> by and large i would be more interested in nova than a green lantern movie though because it's marvel basically you know what i mean fair enough well i mean we've already had some people from the nova core in yeah mcu well, that's the thing too but like i know they'll eventually want to get to the the younger version of the character who would be a young avenger i'm like mm-hmm. that's my thing like are we gonna get rick Ryder first and then do sam i think it is or are we gonna just like jump straight to like the kid because they seem to just be like let's just get all the kids out you know what i mean like we're doing yeah. generation two, like young Avengers characters very quickly. A lot of the time now, 
I'm wondering if they'll even bother with Rick and or they'll just kind of bounce over to the young boy and do that. I don't know. This is another character I have no knowledge of, so we might end up doing a primer for this too when the time comes. <laughs> it's like the way they skipped the original Captain Marvel and just did like Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Like they never acknowledged the original like Captain Marvel yeah. guy, right? Like they didn't acknowledge the key guy. It's just we're just a Carol. Cool. But you know, whatever. Anyway. Ramble about the ship forever. It's Marvel. <laughs> Speaking of things, we're probably going to ramble on for a little bit, and I don't really want to talk about it. Warner Brothers released a deleted scene from the Batman, which has a lot more of Barry Keoghan as the Joker in Arkham Asylum talking to Robert Pattinson's Batman. And I, I've watched it a couple times now. I hate this character design. Mm. Um. I'm going to have to stop. Like, I'm literally going to have to stop doing this podcast, Tim, because I can't be bitching about this shit all the time and work for these companies and do posters and stuff. Like, I'm never going to get hired because every week this stuff comes up and I'm like, wow, this is, this is not to my taste at all. Is it? And I got to find ways of saying that, like, this fucking sucks and I hate it and I don't want any of it without saying. And I'm seeing so many people that are like, oh, this looks great. Like, I, I love this character design. I love the laugh. It laughs fine. Yeah, it's just he just looks like a fucking like tumorin cancer patient that like couldn't do anything menacing whatsoever. Like he looks like he's about to fucking fall. Like he looks like a leper. Bits of skin are just gonna fucking start falling off of him. And I cannot believe that this is you know the big fucking foil to Batman. I mean, this Batman I can because this Batman is kind of a putz. <laughs> Which we talked. I mean, like this Batman sucks. So I guess this Joker sucks too. <laughs> if they're the counterpoints to each other, they both suck, I guess. <laughs> I don't like that actor. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like him in Eternals. I don't mind Barry Kilgan as an actor. Granted, the only thing I like about him is that his face is so imminently fucking punchable that I'm glad he's the Joker. But I can't tell it's him under that fucking horrible makeup job either. And I'm sorry, <laughs> special effects person who did that. Like, it's just not good. Whoever designed that. It's just not it doesn't look right. I don't know, whatever. Matt Reeves, dude, I'm hoping you're not just like the fucking one note guy who's just going to rip off other people and apply Batman on top of it. And that's yeah. what your original take on Batman is. It's like, ooh, we did seven beats Batman. Next one's going to be Silence of the Lambs beats Batman. Like, no, dude, we did all this shit already in the comics. Like, have an original thought. Do a Scarecrow yeah. story. And we already did Taxi Driver meets fucking Slash Kings of Comedy well, meets fucking Joker. So. I mean, my fucking line completely stands. It's like, this is now take three on the Joker that's too edgy for fucking school that nobody wants and we're never going to talk about again, right? Yeah. The Leto one fucking bombed. Who knows? I mean, everybody loved the the one where we just did Taxi Driver, right? But like, is that, that's done. We're not doing that again, right? Like, we've never, I've never heard anything about that coming again. And now we've got, now we've got Punchface, <laughs> who I hate. So, cool. I, I stand by what I said to you, Tim. If they were going to do all this heavy makeup or shit, just get Hamill in to do it right. <laughs> if you're going to put under 58 pounds of makeup so I can't recognize the motherfucker, at least get somebody whose voice works properly. Yeah. And Hamill could at least pull off a creepy voice. So, I don't know. Clearly, we are massive fans of this version yeah. of the Joker. I don't know. My hope is that is that they've released this to test the waters for this character design to be used in the sequel. Because at least they had the fucking good sense to cut this from the movie. Because it would have ground the movie even further to a halt 
than the, the fucking cameo already did. Yeah, that's the thing, right? They've already kind of saddled themselves with this character design if they go with the Joker, because he's in mm-hmm. the movie. I mean, they can change it. They always change it. It doesn't really make that big a difference. He was in, like, silhouette, right? Yeah, like, you could barely fucking see him. They chained, you know, like what they did with fucking Woody Harrelson in that carnage right like yeah they i mean it was still a terrible character design is that like, is that the example we want to be fucking taking from those two no but they they improved the hair somewhat oh, between man. the post-credit scene and then the actual movie i think it's just what batman is this for us we're old now it doesn't matter who gives a shit what five we think. six seven depends how many animated ones you include right i mean yeah right like depends on who you include like if i just include kevin conroy yeah, but we're but we're already at six fucking individual live action Batman plus Kevin Conroy is the because I include him he as played the, live action Batman the video game the video game Batman too. So that's how I always picture him. He's video game and movie like he's just Batman's voice to me. Whatever, mm. but uh, yeah, no, we're like we're at six in. Maybe we just don't give a shit anymore. Maybe we've seen DC reboot the goddamn character so many times that it just doesn't matter anymore. Just Batman, cool. He might be good, might not be. That's the thing. We've seen both ends of that spectrum too, right? Yeah. Like we were there for the Dark Knight, and we were there for Batman and Robin. So, and now they took the Dark Knight's Joker and dialed it up to about sixteen in terms of you know edginess and amount of prosthetics and makeup, apparently, and disfigurement. Yeah, yeah. Christina Ricci is going to be in that Netflix Wednesday series. The role has not been disclosed. I'm guessing they're not just going to put her in as like an older version of Wednesday or whatever, because it's focused on like a younger teenage Wednesday going to high school. Feels very much Riverdale meets the Adams family. But why would you not just cast her as Morticia? Like, why? That's like the, right? the perfect closed circle joke for her. Hopefully, at this they point. will. Especially like, have you seen what she looks like now? Oh yeah, basically, kind of looks like Morticia. Yeah, so like she looks like the comic book Morticia even yeah. more than Angelica Houston did in the '90s movies. Agreed. So, yeah. like, let's like, what are we? Let's do that. Why are we yeah. not doing that? Yeah, well, it could be. They, they said they haven't said, so that would that would totally make sense if they did. Cool. Misha Collins is going to be in Gotham City as Harvey Dent in the Gotham Knights TV series. Which one's Gotham Knights TV series? That's the one that's going to focus on everybody but Batman, basically. It looks like Huntress and Nightwing and a Robin or something like that kind of thing. Oh. Misha Collins got a voice job, I'm trying to say. Well, no, this one is this is CW. It's live action. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know what's going on on the CW side of things anymore, man. I'm like completely out to lunch. That one's just a pilot so far. I don't think it's actually been like fully, you know, ordered to series. I like them on Supernatural. So good, good. To have him do stuff. On that side, I mean, he's it was like him at CW. I mean, he's good on social media, I guess. Like he always was very engaged with the su- the supernatural fans. So, yeah, great, oh. cool. I had no <laughs> idea that show was like a show. I thought that was the. I thought you were talking about the the game that's coming out the that game? just got delayed. No, that's the Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. No, but there is a there is a Gotham Knight game coming out. Is there not? Like that's like a sequel to Arkham Knight. There's another one. It's got like where you play as like the bat family but not batman um and the suicide squad was the rock that he won that one i yeah. thought was gotham knights <laughs> that's why i'm confused <laughs> the problem is all the branding just gets like over top of each other right and i can't keep fucking track of it because there's a comic called gotham knights and then there's a game called that 
different team. Oh, you're right. You're right. There yeah, is a video right. game that's called that as well. Yep. That is that's a, a Warner Brothers game, Montreal. There you go. Okay, yeah. So the guys who did Batman Arkham Origins, I think that yes. team. So there you go. Cool. Yeah, that comes out this October. I mean, great. Yeah, because the other one got delayed to the new year, right? Like both 2023. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad, which is the one I actually want to play. Yeah. Either way, that's cool. We should call them. Yeah. Great. <laughs> the very last thing that I had was we had an announcement for the next Witcher game. This means nothing to me or Mark because Mark's never played them either. Well, or hasn't I ever own them. gotten into them. Yeah. But the, was it the fifth Witcher game? Fourth, fourth. Witcher game? Fourth It'll be the Witcher fourth game. One is going into development and the big sort of I don't know if this is controversy or not because I'm not close enough to it but is that it's not going to be done on CD Projekt Red's yeah. engine they're going to move it to Unreal Engine 5 which uh upgrade your kits kids <laughs> that's going to that's going to be a hefty hefty beast when it comes out I would imagine I mean great I'm glad they're going back to The Witcher and not doubling down on Cyberpunk right now <laughs> that was a toxic dumpster fire of a game launch. Yeah. And like this game still doesn't fucking run properly. Even on my rig, it's still like kind of jank. I didn't really get into it anyway, but cool. I'm happy for Christy. Yes. <laughs> Wherever you are out there, Christy. I'm, I'm happy for Christy, presumably three years in the future when this game actually gets released. <laughs> 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 that would make that would actually be something she would be happy about because it's probably more like seven. <laughs> it's true. CD Project Red does seem to push back their games. Yep. That was everything I had for this week's news. Did I miss anything? Uh, who knows? Uh, you can tell me. I wouldn't know. <laughs> it was good. Fair enough. All right. And we can move on to our Geek of the Week, which is the segment of our podcast where each of us describes the nerdiest thing we've done in the past week or so. Mark, what is your Geek of the Week? Oh, I started playing Elden Ring. I double dipped and bought it on PS5. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. I don't exist in the real world anymore. I don't even. I don't even know why I'm doing this podcast right now. I'm not Mark anymore. I just exist in. That's why you didn't read the the, the books for tonight until I read it for like an like hour today. ago. I literally just read them today because I was like, oh shit. I tried reading them on the weekend. I'm like, I have no interest in reading these right now. I'm just gonna go fucking play Elden Ring. I don't care. I gotta know. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna go play games. So what's so good about it? Why are you so fucking engrossed in it? Because it's like it's like spooky Breath of the Wild. The world is like so engrossing. Like it's just the most insane like, I don't know how to describe the world. It's just, it's just you know, Breath of the Wild, every time you went over a hill there was something fucking cool. That's mm. what this game is designed like. But it's like a Dead Souls game. So it's like kind of spooky like Castlevania. But like yeah. every time you go over a cliff it's like a group of roaming werewolves come at you or some shit like that and i've heard it's also similar to breath of the wild in that you get fucking wrecked if you go anywhere that's over level basically oh man and it's like a souls game which means like you're gonna get fucking wrecked just by like regular people <laughs> wandering around the goddamn like landscape but it's just like the lore and like the way the world works and it just it has that same kind of feeling you know that first like 10 hours of breath of the wild where like you don't really know what the fuck is going on and you're just kind of digging just things exploring up and, and you're just yeah. exploring and getting a feel for it the world feels massive and kind of intimidating that's what this game has felt like for the entire 30-ish hours i spent inside it and i want more and i still have lots more to go yeah i'm hooked on this fucking thing so i completely put horizon aside forbidden west i'm like fuck that game i'm done with it 
I'm gonna I'm playing Elden Ring now. I might never go back to it either. I don't know how that that open world wasn't holding up very well for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's fine, but like they have the worst fucking luck. Those Horizon guys, because when they put Horizon One out, it came out like within the same month as Breath of the Wild, <laughs> and got kind of like just I didn't play it till like six months later, and I had a good time with it when I finally did play it, but it never compared to Breath of the Wild. Got suppressed. Yeah, and now this time I've started Horizon, and I got a fair chunk of the way, like, I'm probably like 25% of the way through it, and like into it, which should be around the point where I start to feel like I'm very into the game and want to, like, continue to go on it, but it feels like a goddamn slog. And then then Elden Ring came out, and I was like, I know this is going to be a slog, but everybody's talking about it, and it seems really interesting. So when I popped into it on PC originally, I was like, wow, this is really cool, but fuck this performance, it's just, like, horrendous, like, and everybody was having these problems on PC. And I'm like, I'm not double dipping. Yeah. Then I was like, I really need something to play. There's nothing really else catching my interest in my thousands of games that I already own that I could play. But I ended up buying Elden Ring again on PlayStation <laughs> to play it there. I've had other other of my PC gamer friends say they regretted buying it on PC. Oh. And then that they that they were thinking about buying it on PS5. Well, if, if, I mean, if, if people are thinking about rebuying it, you know I'm going to be the first one to be the guy who double dips because I'm just that guy. But yeah, I was super frustrated by the fact that I had to double dip, but the game's amazing. And I don't know, man, you like if you're getting through those Spider-Man games on like harder levels, you might want to, you can give this a shit. It's, it's like, it's hard. There's so much shit on my two playlist that is more yeah. like, that I have more investment in, in terms of, you know, uh, IPs that I actually care about, so. I'll probably jump to like a Star Wars game. Actually, what I'll probably do is go play like Age of Calamity or something like that after this. You should go play Fallen Order also. It's kind of yeah, soulsy. Too. I also that. I also need to make it through that branch of the Zelda game timeline that in- includes all the original games, right? Yeah, we should do those episodes at some point. Yeah, yeah. so you should start playing those games so we could do those episodes. Those are like, that's my childhood crack. Yeah. That was my childhood Elden Ring, was those Zelda games, basically. It was like just felt like fucking bombing around the original versions of Hyrule. Well, yeah. the first and third versions of Hyrule, anyway. Not so much uh, <laughs> Zelda 2, no. Was it but Link's Adventure? Yeah. Link's Adventure, yeah. Terrible. <laughs> uh, for my part, my Geek of the Week, like I said, we had cocktails and cupcakes this past weekend for the first time since like October. Is Case numbers are pretty low right now. Everybody that came was was vaccinated stuff. It was for Alicia's birthday. And I use it as an excuse to finally get my new Audio Technica turntable set up that I got for Christmas. I hooked it up to our entertainment system in the basement that's got like the really nice clip speakers and everything on it. And I just used the opportunity to just finally be able to listen to some vinyl on that rather than <coughs> playing it all through the old hi-fi that i've got upstairs which has its own charm but like i you know i wanted something that was going to be like nice like high fidelity really good quality sound kind of which one did you buy uh which one did i get it was tell me how much you paid for it is basically i can tell you what model it is i i just said i didn't buy i did put Um, on like my wish list but i think it was around like 400 bucks or something like that okay yeah you got to step down from the one i have then they're all good. The Audio Technica turntables are fucking dope. They're like segmented into like two or three hundred dollar segments. Yeah, and it's like I think I bought it like a five or six hundred dollar one or something like that. Good, like they're great turntables though. 
but it's nice. It's like all wood grain. It's one of the ones that's like all uh, like fully, fully manual, nothing automated to it. Oh, see, I don't do any. I like I, my shit's like all automatic, fucking chrome. I like the fancy, fancy shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, I want all my mechanical stuff to work perfectly. Fuck that wood nonsense. Chrome, <laughs> chrome plastic, baby. Look, it looked too pretty. Uh, yeah, see, I don't have any of that fondness for the retro horse shit like you do, though. So Fair. that's, uh, Lieutenant Gordon said, that's your thing, man. <laughs> yeah. The LPW40 WN okay. was the model that I got, which is belt drive for 450. Yeah, I think mine was a little bit more than that, but fully manual belt drive. And then, like, the best thing is, like, uh, Audio Technica, those needles here, like, they, they last a long time and you will be able to find replacements forever, which is nice. Yeah. Get the nice diamond tip, mono cartridge. Yes. So, nice. yeah, sound sounds really nice. Look pretty. And what are you running it through? Like, do you have a an amp set up, or are you running it? Through? Yeah, there's an amplifier. Yeah, it's it's through the head or through the receiver, basically, right? Okay. It's going through the receiver, and yeah, and then into uh, into the clip speakers. Cool. I I j- just been like sitting on my coffee table, and been like, I gotta fucking do something with this. Like, one, I don't want to have just a turntable sitting on my coffee table when people come over. Two, I should fucking plug this thing in and listen to records on it kind I can of use it yeah man you got a nice uh audio technical turntable you may as well use it those things are uh nice things what did you break it in with Ooh, what was the first oh i before the night of the party i put random access memories on it and i just sat in front of right <laughs> sat in the recliner in front of the speakers and just fucking blissed out to it because it had been a long week Fair enough. nice way to finish it off on friday night there and Anyways, with that, we can move on to our meat of the episode. Multiple personality meat. Because this week we are talking about Moon Knight. Because there is an upcoming Disney Plus series that you might have heard about featuring Moon Knight. And it is a character I have zero familiarity whatsoever with. And so I was just thinking like, not really anything else going on right now. Maybe I'll take the time to familiarize myself a little bit with this weirdo fucking Marvel character that I just have never read any of. So, uh, and yeah, like we said earlier, the Disney Plus series is premiering in like less than a week now on Marvel 30th. So, probably right around the time you're listening to this, or maybe after or before you listen to this. So, I thought we could just do kind of a little bit of a primer on the character. So, we read a couple, well, we read just one issue of way back when in the eighties with <laughs> written by Doug Mensch and or by Bill Sinkowick. We read Moon Knight number one from November, 1980. And then we jumped to more recent history and read Jeff Lemire's run on Moon Knight in 2016, 2017, 14 issue run with Art primarily by Greg Smallwood, but a few other people are in there as well, which we'll talk about when we get to that. But. Yeah, it was a little tricky to keep track of who was drawing what uh, as they were coming through. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. realities or whatever. So yes, exactly. So, but before we get into the issues, uh, as I said, I have like no history with this character whatsoever. I don't even think that I've even like really seen him pop up in, you know, like the crossovers and stuff like that that I've read of Marvel because he's not usually one of those guys that like gets involved with you know, the big fucking overarching storylines. Cause like who wants the fucking like nut job dude that is, you know, has eight different personalities in his head 
involved in like you know universe fucking level threats kind of thing it's funny because the the direct follow-up to this or the next time moon knight appears he shows up in jason aaron's avengers run for a four-issue arc where like anshu becomes the big villain that the oh. avengers have to team up with moon knight to take down interest um i was like halfway through reading it when we started recording because like i was playing elden ring and supposed to doing my homework <laughs> so uh, yeah, but so I was like, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, no, by and large, and like similarly, I don't have, I don't have a ton of familiarity with Moon Knight. The, the like his publication history has been very kind of scattered and erratic. He mm-hmm. doesn't always have a series going on. He does tend to pop up in books that I read as like, oh, a team of street level vigilantes have gotten together to do a thing or like take down a guy who's taken over New York or whatever. Moon Knight will be like one of the guys who's around kind of thing. Um, it may not necessarily be like the lead of the thing. The the meme of uh, him and Spider-Man standing around and Moon Knight having no idea what's going on and Spider-Man just telling him to hit whoever he hits, that is basically my like knowledge of Moon Knight. There was a run by one of my favorite writers a couple years ago that we won't talk about. There was a Moon Knight run. I think you're going to see the Mr. Knight character from the show and from what we read this week from the Lemire run, originated in actually it originated in secret avengers that warren ellis was writing okay so like that's where it, that originally came from and then it was adapted over to declan chapley's six issue and that maybe. six issue run that they did um so that was my really only exposure to moon knight was that he was showing up in books that warren was writing at the time um yeah. and because he's exactly the kind of character that ellis goes for to kind of play as like um you'll have him be the dark horse of the team that the jokes happen around right like he's the psychopath who does terrible things and everybody kind of comments on that's in every Warren Ellis book. He played that role for him in Secret Avengers. And then, like, yeah, they did his own book, which was a much different take on Moon Knight than what had been done previously, also. Um, a little bit more detective driven. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. the Lemire thing. I don't think it was directly after that. There was a couple other creative teams after that Ellis run, but then Lemire kind of took it over for a chunk of time. Which is that's yeah. what we're gonna talk about tonight. Although it feels like it hits a lot of the same notes as every Moon Knight story that I've ever been a part of versus like he's got these four characters that are stuck in his head and they all battle for supremacy and then at the end he comes out and it's just, he's like oh, i'm i'm fine now and then the next story is Conchu attacking fucking <laughs> New fuck York again. and everybody's <laughs> fucked again anyway and the avengers <laughs> have got to get him sorted out or something like that so like whatever it was a fun run but like at the end of the day literally the next issue i read him in Conchu was like attacking new york and like dr strange was being recruited by moon knight to go fight him and then Moon Knight was also showing up in Kung uh, Loon to get the Iron Fist from Iron mm. Fist. So this is like, what the fuck is going on? And why is this happening <laughs> after the end of the Jeff Lemire run that we read? Like I said, his publication history is complicated. So yeah, yeah, so I mean, the character first originated in Werewolf by Night back in the mid-70s, created by Doug Manchin, Don Perlin, then went on to have like a, a decent run, like a almost 40 issue run 40 issues, yeah. in the 80s and then from then it was all like you know a like maybe 20 issues max kind of thing and has had like nine series of you know either like yeah. minis or or you know just ongoing series that only lasted like a couple of years like that or something like that since then i believe the current run of moon knight that's like actively going on right now um that started like the number one was by mckay had a McDivin cover. Interesting. I didn't know that. Cool. I usually don't see Steve working around too much for Marvel. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. 
this is volume nine is what I was yes. trying to get at. The current run is volume nine, which is just yeah. like, I mean, Daredevil's on volume six. So I guess I shouldn't really comment too much. Marvel does this a lot, but it is like. I was going to say, Marvel actually has a lot of series on like, shit. Show, like eight or nine. Shit, lots volume. of number ones. Fucking reboot the whole universe. <laughs> How many fucking number ones are there in Batman at this point? How many Superman number ones are there, Tim? Not that many. Superman, not Superman and Batman. It would be shit like Justice League that they, they, yeah. they keep fucking rebooting over and over again, or Green Lantern or something like that that have had like a lot of the B and C list guys that get like rebooted over and over again. Like there's yeah. 500 Wolverine for, like volumes. Yeah. Action comics, Detective comics. Are they still on their original numbering, or are they back on some weird shit? No, they're again? both on legacy numbering. Wonder Woman's on legacy numbering, and Flash is on legacy numbering. I think those are all the ones that they've switched back to the legacy numbers. Whatever. They only do that so they can have the four digits in there. None of my fucking books have four <laughs> digits yet, I think. But yeah, well, Wonder Wonder Woman and Flash still aren't on past the thousand, but Action Comics, she's getting close. She's eight something, I think. Yeah, eight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think well, Flash is seven, seven something. You know that she'll be two times a month the next time they put a movie out or something like well, I think that. She's so two, like, I think she's twice a month right now, actually. Yeah. I'm so behind Wonder Woman. I'm so behind on right now. I'm like a couple of years behind. I haven't read it since they launched. Oh, shit. You know what? I think my last reading of Wonder Woman was New 52. I think it was that uh, Azarello run was the last time I. Pants one? Yeah, sure. I was thinking more like the mythology stuff. But I think that had the pants. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. No, that, that run was great. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It was good, but that was the last time I read a Wonder Woman book. I have no idea yeah. what's going on. I I keep seeing art of like, hey, look, we have Black Wonder Woman and Brown Wonder Woman now. I'm like, cool. Who are these characters? And like, what's going on? But, all right. Yeah. Anyways, let's get back to talking about Moon Knight. So the first issue that we read was it said Moon Knight number one. Uh, it came out in November 1980, written by Doug Mensch, who originated the character, and art by Bill Sinkowick. Mark, can you give us a recap of the plot of Moon Knight number one? No, because like, <laughs> how do you recap the one issue of a '70s Marvel book with you without, without <laughs> over-explaining it or under-explaining it? It's almost impossible to do. I'll just flip through the book while we're sitting here. I mean, uh, that's the nice thing when we're doing comics, right? Is you can just like look at the actual issue. Yeah, I just gotta get back to where it was, and like the problem is like, okay, first before we do this, I have a rant about these fucking comic book apps. <laughs> do they all have to suck this badly? So Marvel Unlimited doesn't even fucking run on my tablet anymore. That, and it's because my tablet's like five years or like, I don't know, six, six or seven years old now. But like they've updated it to the point where it won't fucking run on the version of Android that's on my tablet. It was working perfectly fucking fine on my tablet. And they had to be like, no, we got to make it fancier and have animations. And now it doesn't work on your fucking device. And so now I got to read it on you steal it somewhere on a browser no i fucking i read it on my fucking computer on on a browser oh, okay. even on the fucking browser like oh my the god way that you log in is all fucky and like it does you can't really tell that you're logged in and then it's fucking yes. not easy to find the issues and shit like so i was signed up through for marvel unlimited via the website so that i could use it in a like via desktop also and then mm. also have it on my ipad now the ipad app would not register that i was subscribed via the Ugh. thing yeah the logins fuck so the logins suck so i ended up having to subscribe via itunes like subscribe via my apple account mm. like apple pay and cancel out my regular subscription via like the website but now i'm locked to just being able to use it on my ipad <sighs> because of that like i can't get back to the fucking desktop version of it now 
Yeah. So comicsology is fucked beyond repair, as far as I'm concerned right now. Thank you, Amazon. Eat my ass. Amazon asshole. fixed it. Yeah, they fucked that thing so hard. I don't know if it's ever going to be usable again. I think I've lost half my library. Jesus. Like, I literally, it does not register, like, what I think my number was by about half right now. Like, I see about 3,000 books, and I should have something like 10. And I'm like, what the fuck happened to my library? So I have no, I have no idea what the fuck's going on there. And then uh, Marvel Unlimited, half the time, I get three, ish, three pages, and it wants me to resubscribe, even though <laughs> I canceled my subscription on the website and gave you the double tap on the iPad, told you to take the money off that fucking account. But you still want more fucking money, Marvel? No. Done. I'm stealing your shit from now on. That's it. I'm done with this crap. You want to do comics? I'm fucking stealing them from now on. I'm fucking tired of this crap. All this crap is too hard to work with. I can steal the CBRs and put them in a goddamn comic reader in 30 seconds. Nobody gets any money for it. But that's what you get for making everything so difficult. That should not be more convenient than well, it should be easier. your fucking apps. Right? Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be easier for me to do that than this so whatever either way so here we are the macabre moon night november issue one it basically starts out like in the sudan and a group of mercenaries are attacking what i think are rebels or something like that they're being led by bushman who we should all be familiar with from luke cage season two which is interesting oh yeah that's that dude yeah well i mean that's the original character but i think yeah. i said that in that episode i'm like i think this character is a moon knight villain originally not a luke cage villain I was right. There you go. <laughs> so, Mark Spector is working with Bushmen wherever they are in Africa, obviously, because this is like there's some interesting overtones to some of this stuff. Let's just say this issue on Marvel Unlimited does start with a disclaimer about yep. negative stereotypes. So, that's always a good sign. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was in reference to Bushmen or just like the normal human characters that were kind of all just wearing like turbans and shit or Frenchie could have been Frenchie too, for all I know. I mean, it could have been the fact that like he's portrayed as like, he's supposed to have some kind of mental illness, but like we're also portraying him in like a weird superhero, like genre way. Yes. Yeah. Super inaccurate also, which is great. Um, but yeah, they're in the Sudan murdering what I think are rebels or something like that. And Mark Spector, who is, will eventually become the moon Knight is working with Bushmaster as a mercenary. He gets pissed, I think, and like takes off with his buddy Frenchie. I don't remember exactly what happened. I tried to read it, and I'm like, this Marvel, like, 70s stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot. They're trying to find this dig site where, like... Right, the dig site. That's what I was like, what the fuck were they doing in there? Yeah, where like archaeologists have found, like, some ancient Egyptian tomb, and they want to raid it, basically. Right, so they're going to... They go to raid the thing, and... Bushman, when Bushman gets there, he confronts the archaeologists, and like they get into a fight, but Bushman kills the archaeologist in front of the guy's daughter, who ends up being the Marsha character, or whatever her name is. Mar- Marlene. Marla? Marlene, yeah. The Marlene character that we'll talk about more in the Lemire run, like these characters pop back up throughout. Pretty much all of them. Yeah, well, they all pop up in various incarnations throughout lots of Moon Knight runs, so, yeah. They're, if you're going to get into Moon Knight, these are characters you're going to see a lot of. And I didn't know that until I was reading for this one. That Ellis friend did not talk about that shit at all. They didn't have yeah. any of that stuff because he loves doing that. Just come into a character, throw all their fucking history out, and start from get scratch. rid of all the supporting cast. Be like, fuck it, I'm doing it my way. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what, what you know. That's what he did anyway. So at this point, he's killed the archaeologist in front of Marlene, and Spectre's kind of like siding with 
them. And I think he escapes with her at that point after he argues with them about executing him. Yes. Something like that, right? Like they, they end up in prison together and then he dies and they leave him in the tomb or something. In this case, they set, they leave him out in the desert to die and he eventually oh, he picked up. Sorry, I'm looking he, at the guys now, pick him up out of the thing and he throw them. He get he meets Marlene again. They think he's dead, but they throw him he, into the tomb where he yeah, wakes he happens up. upon the dig site where the people that yes. are working the dig site put him in Conchu's tomb, you know, to get him out of the sandstorm, basically. And then he wakes up, basically like as Moon Knight, like he has having like some kind of near death experience where he's spoken to Conchu, who yeah. we'll we'll talk to more of like whatever. And now he's the Moon Knight guy, and he goes out. He goes after Bushman and Bushmaster Bushman. I don't Bushman. know, whatever. Yeah. The Bushman. The Bushman and his like cronies and stuff like that. And they get into a big old fight. I think he beats them, but it's hard to say. I think in, in Luke Cage, that was Bushmaster. I don't think that's, I think Bushman is somebody different. I don't know. The Bushmaster. I, I mean, I'd rather be the Bushmaster than the Bushman. I mean, I'd rather be neither, but like, I, I'm not, you know. The writing in this issue is not the best either. So it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> trouble, kind of like it's eighties Marvel, right? Well, it's like like late seventies Marvel. Yeah, it's got yeah. that kind of like schlocky feel to it. We meet all of his alter egos and stuff like that. Who's like there's the actor Steve, and then there's Jacob, who's the original Moon Knight, I think, and all this other stuff. And he's working with Frenchie as like a mercenary. And then you meet who's the other guy, the old guy, who sacrifices himself in the oh, mirror. Crawley. Yeah, Crawley. It's like, come on, man your name's a little bit better that's a that's a hacky <laughs> name at that point probably who's got like fucking flies flying around him for some reason i'm not sure if it's because like they're demonic it's supposed, to be supposed to be like uh a stinky homeless aspects. man or I think that's the way it's supposed to work in the comic originally but I, and it's also like <laughs> there's all this other like aspects of like egyptian lore and stuff like that but it's also like the way marvel handles somebody else's mythology which is like you know how thor is yeah not yeah. the most accurate shit of all time kind of thing. But then in the universe they'll treat it like that's the real one. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, what is like? What is the point? Because like this issue kind of ends like he breaks into some place and beats up some guy in a purple pimp suit and then he breaks into an office and they find the knife of Bushman. Yeah, in the end he ends up coming back face to face with Bushman and what well, he takes him out, right? Yeah, because and Marlene stops him from killing him, basically. Mm. Uh, because whatever. And then they like the next issue is them like kind of going off on adventures together or what have you. I don't yeah. know. I had a real rough time concentrating on this one because it's like seventies Marvel and it's like it <laughs> felt like it was uh this is one of those ones that feels like it was done Marvel style. Where they was like, here's the plot, go draw it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. This feels a little disjointed to me. But you know. This is, I mean, it's like the those like Benny O'Neill, Jim Shooter, Days of Marvel kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like it, it takes itself very seriously, and you know, it's it's a very very dramatic in tone kind of thing, and you know, especially a character like this, I I think you gotta have a little bit of fucking levity to it in order well, to. <laughs> it, I think that's the main problem is that it, like it's way melodramatic, um, yeah. and it ha- yeah, which is a kind of a a Marvel, you know. Basically, this version of Mark Spector is like, um, or well, I guess this is the actual origin of Mark Spector. Like, he's this mercenary for hire that develops a conscience and then ends up being possessed, maybe, 
by this Egyptian god. That's always the question, right? Like, and some authors will come out and say, like, he is absolutely conscious is a real thing, and he's absolutely talking to Mark. And then other people will be like, or is he? And yeah. that's the fun of the Moon Knight character, and like that's kind of what like that's what the entire Lemire run hinges on is mm. the or is he aspect yes, of the character, exactly. right? Because like every issue closes basically well not every issue but like it felt like every issue closed on a cliffhanger of or is he like (laughs) as he flipped into another reality or like you know conquered one of his demons or whatever and like whatever it just kept going like that and that's kind of what like these moon knight stories are but the ellis friend was the same way the only time they treat him differently is when he's being used as a side character in the avengers and he's a joke basically more one-dimensional at that point at that point he's basically like we can use him and like you can kind of use him like Deadpool as like he's the butt of the joke, but you don't have to like constantly have his mouth fucking going like you have to have Deadpool's going, yeah. right? Like he can just show up and fight and shut up sometimes. Whereas like you can't do that with Deadpool. But if you need jokes, you can totally have Spider Man be like, hey man, uh, you're hitting the wrong people. Like that kind of shit. Because yeah. he will just start fucking hauling off and punching whoever's punching around him kind of thing because he's kind of a maniac. Because he is crazy, right? Like, that's what they say it over and over again. He's got yeah. some real problems here. So. so, so like I said, I just wanted to read this just because it was sort of a little self-contained origin for the character. It gave me a little bit of sort of background. Because, honestly, if I had not read this before reading the Lemire run, I would have been even more lost in the Lemire run than I kind of ended up being. Because, like, they don't fucking explain shit in terms of, like, you know, the supporting cast and shit like that. So. You definitely get a lot of them poking fun at Batman with the Moon Knight character oh, yeah. in this yeah. origin, right? Like his obsession with like moons as a symbol, the moon-shaped growing stars, the fucking cape that goes out into a crescent moon when he jumps, and like yeah. that fucking goofy ass fucking moon helicopter thing. <laughs> that was some like leftover goofy Silver Age bullshit. They uh they very much had not quite leaned into the uh, the modern take on the character that like the that we'll get into uh, with Lemire and stuff with the uh, why does he wear white oh because he wants them to see him coming kind of like, that has become kind of the mantra of the character uh, that doesn't exist early on he's just yeah he's very much just like a, a mercenary vigilante well here they even like in so, this like, issue they talk about him you know, almost being like this mythical being that's kind of whispered about in the underworld and nobody knows if he's real or not. And like, like, okay, like, it's just, it's Batman. I get it. <laughs> like sometimes they've got the, they give him powers too, or like, where like, depending on where in the moon cycle he is, he's more powerful and stuff like that. That kind of, that's from a different run. I think I can't yeah. what run that was from. It's Batman. If he had more than two personalities. It, yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> and wasn't rich because he's not rich either. So well, one of them is rich. The fucking like movie producer is presumably rich. I don't know. I don't know. He also ends up with all this technology sometimes. It's like, how does this happen? But yeah, he's got to be pretty rich. He's got his own fucking helicopter. I think one of them, one of the personalities like was wealthy somehow or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. What do you think about this issue overall? I mean, I, I'm always one to look at some old seventies or eighties Marvel, but like, it's not always my, to my taste. Kind of thing. Art was pretty good, I thought. Art was like good. for the time, it was pretty dynamic. I'm not the biggest Sinkovich fan. Yeah. I have my own issues with him, but his personality on top of that <laughs> being one of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It was fine for what it was. Not yeah. my not my flavor of Marvel vigilante, really. Like I'm not a Moon Knight guy, so like I don't have a ton it's of not like Frank Miller Daredevil. That's what you're saying. 
I mean, there is always, I mean, it, if you're going to compare, you compare to the best. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that shit, that's a little, that's a different thing. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap this up and get to the, the real beef here. Uh, then what, give this issue a rating out of 10. Oh, I mean, like, it's for like what it is. It's a seven. It's a pretty good yeah. Marvel book for like time, kind of thing. Kind of a tricky read for 2022, especially if you're used to like contemporary Marvel books that are a little bit more like, less text dense i guess is the word i'm looking for yeah some of those pages are pretty heavy so i was oh, yeah. I, I always get surprised by some of those marvel books it's like it's, you can tell they're building the plot and the dialogue kind of thing it's mm-hmm. like like they didn't <laughs> right build the plot before the penciler got a hold of it kind of thing yeah this is the sort of story that would have been told over four or five issues these days right like, oh not... yeah absolutely yeah that's the other thing too it's so compressed and stuff like that like you don't get yeah. that kind of storytelling uh, anymore that's always the fun part of going back to like early Marvel and like I'll just early comic books anyway. Like they do a lot, they cover a lot of ground in 22 pages. Yeah. But it also doesn't do much to, there's no real like tension when you do it that way either, yeah, right? It's absolutely. like there's, there's no stakes because there's no cliffhanger at the end of the episode where you're like, oh, sh- or end of the issue. You're like, shit, I got to wait until next month to see what happens to Mark Spector. Kind of thing. Well, most of the time they weren't even thinking that far ahead, but yeah, yeah. that is true. <laughs> So. I, that was exactly what I had, like 7 out of 10. It's a decent self-contained intro to the character, but it definitely does feel pretty dated like 40 plus fucking years later at this point. Yeah, yeah. Alright, well then let's move on to the other story that we looked at, which was much longer, was the 2016 Moon Knight series. There's sort of three story arcs in here, all written by Jeff Lemire. The first one we're going to talk about is Welcome to New Egypt, was the, which was the first five issues of the series. So this is written by Jeff Lemire, uh, art by Greg Smallwood, and uh, colors, I think, on pretty much all of this. Well, uh, Jordi Belair, I think, is doing all of Smallwood's colors. A couple of the artists do their own colors, because like on issue five is where some of the other artists start coming in, which we, I guess we can talk about in the next story arc, because that's really where that kicks into high gear. So... Uh, I don't know, Mark, how do you want to do this? you want to do this one story arc at a time in terms of plot recap? or Well, let's go through it. Based on, like, it's kind of broken up into three. Maybe we can just do it. We don't have to sit here and like belabor the shit out of it. Let's just yeah, kind yeah. of like do it based on the Wikipedia thing. And if we want to expand as we go through, we can. Sure. So, like, we start with Mark Spector waking up in a mental institute um, with no recollection of his past or how he got there again. The staff is led by Dr. Emmett. I had an, an immediate problem with her like drawing her when they get to her where like mm. she's drawn as like a 28 year old like, hot librarian and she's like <laughs> i've been here with you your whole life mark and i'm like well <laughs> the artist should have got that note i always hate yeah. it when that happens it happens in comics all the time because everybody gets drawn in like an idealized form yeah as though they're around 30 or something like that yeah right? draw this draw this woman who's like a you know uh whatever like a, a, a what would you call it like an administrative type woman and they yeah. draw her as like the sexiest librarian that has ever existed. Se- yeah, sexy secretary yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, or whatever. And then it's like she's supposed to have been like been around for four hundred years, but like she <laughs> looks like she's twenty five and goes to yeah. the gym for three hours a day or whatever. Yeah, okay. Anyway. That's how they are to sure. What are you gonna do? It, we don't even know if any of this is fucking real, so <laughs> there's... Like, there's also the fact that it's probably not real, so there's that. I mean, <laughs> to be fair to him, none of this is real. So it's a comic book. It's true. That's where we're at here. Anyway, yeah, he's in this mental institute and like he wakes up and like 
we meet Bill, Bobby and Billy immediately, or the two orderlies who are, keep coming back up in the story, along with uh, Dr. Emmett. And they beat the shit out of him and put him through electroshock, and then he, they bring him to therapy. Every time he goes through electroshock, he ends up like talking to Kunshun. Yeah, and like, well, yeah, as he's recovering from the electroshock, he goes into like the, the other spaces of the, the other void or whatever they call other it. Other void, yeah, they call it. <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> yeah, where he speaks to Kanshu in between. And I mean, I like this run because you can never, you never get a solid sense of like whether this is all in his head or not. Or how much of it is in his and head. That, and exactly. That. And like, you never get an answer to it, which I'm like, that's kind of cool. I like it because like here I was thinking like, as soon as I started seeing this like dilapidated like mental asylum, I was like, this feels real cliched and yeah. fucking like tropey. And then they immediately hang a lampshade on that. And he's like, this isn't re- this can't possibly be real. These sorts of places don't fucking exist in the world anymore. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. These facilities don't, don't exist. <laughs> well, cause like my first thing is like, I have to sit there and look at it. Is it just, this is just the way the artist decided to shorthand this as an insane asylum and draw it as like an old decrepit place. Whereas like, mm. yeah, you would really do that. Like that doesn't exist anymore. But like, I guess, I guess I would assume Lemire would be more detailed in his instructions to his artists in terms of like, we're doing this on purpose for an artistic reason yeah, yeah. kind of thing, as opposed to like, just draw it like that because like, that's what these places should look like kind of thing. Yeah. But in my head, this is just like, this is what Arkham Asylum always looks like every month. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of they just draw it comics anyway, right? Yeah, I felt very one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, so he he wakes up in like after his electroshock experience, and he meets a dude. He Crawley. talks to the old man Crawley, and then as he's walking through, and the orderlies grab him again, he sees Marlene, and she's another patient. And like everybody who is from the history of Moon Knight is a patient in this facility that he's in. So like Frenchie mm. shows up as he's walking out. And Jean as the other one. Uh yeah. Yeah, Jean's the other version of him, right? Like, oh yeah, Gina, right? The woman runs the diner. Yeah. Um, and then like I think he runs into or he becomes Gene, which is the other guy who was Moon Knight. I can't remember anymore. Anyway. Gene. Who the fuck is Gene? Jake? Jake, that's it, right. Yes. <laughs> Jake is one of the, the personas, right? He's the taxi driver. That's the one I'm talking about. It's Jake and too many names. Yeah, because it's Stephen, Jake, Mark, right? Are the main. Yeah. yeah. And then Mr. Knight. And Mr. Knight, yeah. And Conshu. Anyway, so he gets brought to the aforementioned hot redhead secretary lady who is supposed to be a psychiatrist and goes through all this stuff about him, like being crazy since he was 12 and having disassociative disorder. I should stop saying crazy. It's terrible. But either way, it's a comic book version of it. So I have no idea how to like discuss it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. And the woman tells her, tells him that she's he's been in this institution for like his entire life, and all of the stuff that he's thinking about Moon Knight and Kanshu are all in his head. But then he goes to bed and wakes up talking to Kanshu, gets dressed in a Moon Knight outfit, and escapes and like beats the shit out of a bunch of the orderlies and gets out on the roof. And he starts seeing them their true faces now. Yeah, and then he starts, yes, yeah, and he gets to the roof, he starts seeing, like, what the world actually looks like through his Moon Knight eyes, and seeing, yeah. like, their true faces, which are, like, Egyptian kind of, like, wolves and stuff like that, like, heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not, no, they're not jackals, that's Anubis. Anubis is- yeah, Anubis is a jackal, yeah, and they're... Like dogs or something. Uh, what's the other one? It's not jackals. Coyotes, are they not? Just coyotes? Oh, maybe. <sighs> so we're back. 
he goes through so again yeah he goes through this thing kind of like the first couple issues are like a cycle of him going being in the insane asylum and getting electroshock therapy and then having a conversation with Conchu and then like so the next issue is him escaping with his group of people like he's found them and he gets his costume back and becomes Mr. Knight and he escapes with his team so Frenchie, Gina, uh, Crowley and they bring Marlene along even though she's catatonic and doesn't say a whole bunch but he gets dressed up in the Mr. Knight suit and they escape as they're escaping, like he's bouncing back and forth between like his own realities, or like whatever his realities kind of thing. So, like he's mm-hmm. doing stuff and he's fighting. They're fighting mummies in his, as the group, and or he also starts figuring out that the doctor is not is probably Emmett, who's another one of the Egyptian gods, not yeah, Doctor Emmett, not not Doctor Emmett, it's Doctor Amet, A M, I yeah. think is what they call it. A- or her. Yeah, A M M U T, A M, yeah. Um, and yeah, she shows up again, like as they're like about to escape and he, like, they're getting on a subway car, but it actually ends up being like the, the fucking thing across the river with Anubis for like the, the Egyptian river of the dead. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. I don't know what it is in like Roman fucking mythology or whatever. Yes, it sticks. It sticks there, but like in Egypt it's different and I can't remember what it is. It's been 20 years since I took art history. Well, <laughs> 15 years since I took an art history class. Anyway, and I never liked the Egyptian stuff, so I just ignored it always. Anyway, so basically everybody, he leaves everybody behind and again gets like brought into Khonshu. Of course, Khonshu is always talking to him. Basically, like the entire story is this him, is he talking to himself and he speaks to Khonshu and like, what is happening? They never answer it. It's great for that. But him and his crew basically escape by having Crowley stay behind with Nubis while him and the rest of the group kind of escape back into out into New York, which is now infested with what he sees are just like all these Egyptian demons, basically. Yeah, and then like they're on the streets fighting. So Khonshu contacts Mark and explains that Emmett is an avatar like him, one who is connected to the other void, God Emmett, A-M-M-I-T. Khonshu decides it is like time for him, oh yeah, he wants to take over Spectre's body completely, I think is the main point of like this yes. whole arc kind of thing. So the, Mark denies Khonshu and fights with him with the help of all his other alters. So at this point, like they have Steven and Jake and like Mr. Knight are all like all helped him fight Khonshu in various ways. Mark accepts that whether they are the result of childhood trauma or Khonshu's interference, like his alters are part of him and like they have been for his whole life, and he just needs to kind of like integrate them integrate them better into like his moon knight persona um, so he defeats Emmett and Khonshu and Mark resumes his life as moon knight determined to be like he's going to be like you know moon knight he's going to actually be like a decent superhero now they do this every time uh, and then it just falls <laughs> apart whatever so the next arc eventually him and Khonshu start to like speak again Khonshu's kind of like involved throughout the entire arc right like he's always there yeah. through all 14 issues he's always kind of a pain in the ass he wasn't super handy in the uh, Ellis run either, so there's that. Because we start to see the uh, the different versions of him that also include the astronaut guy that isn't really part of the lore that they bring him up with the werewolves and stuff. It's fucking terrible art. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that 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 art's not great, and then there's the really like I think they're trying to go for like a Gotham centrally kind of style, like a Michael Larky kind of style. The Jake, the taxi driver dude. Yeah, but it's a little yeah. too cartoony. That's uh, the Frank Avila art. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little too cartoony for what they're trying to do, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Like it should be grittier art, I think. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't work for Marvel. Marvel's never hired me to do a book. What, what, what the <laughs> fuck do I know about penciling comic books? <sighs> anyway, yeah, so he ends up finding Set, right? Like, as he's running through all these weird, like, versions of his reality, uh, Marlene kind of helps him get ahead of the two jackal, like, orderly guys, and he escapes into that world. And then when he gets to the end of that world, like, with the heroin needles, he's like, he, whatever, he finds Set. And then Set sends him off to go find Conchu, and that's where the Conchu fight happens, or something like that. He wakes up as what's his name, Stephen, right in the next arc. Yes, as yeah, as Stephen Stephen Taylor, the movie producer. Yeah. So the next arc opens like basically with Stephen Taylor making a Moon Knight movie based in the MCU ish kind of thing, I guess. It's implied, yeah. Yeah, they make reference to Ant Man. So this is like. This is a fact of the Marvel Universe now. They are making movies based on the superheroes. So there's an Iron Man movie in the Iron Man comics. Like it's happened. You know what I mean? Like so those the MCU is now a popular movie series in Marvel comics. Mm. Because the superheroes are so popular. Except for Spider Man and the X Men. Everybody fucking hates them. But everybody else <laughs> well, and Daredevil, they all fucking hate Daredevil too. Basically everybody hates everybody that aren't the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. So they make movies about those guys. Kind of like the real world, interestingly enough, where they just make <laughs> Avengers movies. <laughs> um, and Spider-Man, I guess. I mean, although we kind of, yeah, there's, who's the point about Spider-Man being unpopular in the Marvel Universe? In the real world, he's the most popular fucking superhero that yeah. exists, basically. That's the weird part about those two movies. Like, that's those, the Batman and Spider-Man, back-to-back, right? Those two movies. I just This is totally random. Totally, like, tangent. Just in terms of what in terms of those being like the most popular characters? Yes, but like I don't give a shit about the Batman anymore. Like I'm just over it. Whereas like <laughs> Spider Man, I'm like, give me more of the shit. Like right in my fucking veins. Like I want more. And I don't know what the difference is aside from the fact that like Spider Man is fun, and that new Batman was just like modeling and kind of a rip off of Seven. Yeah, that's probably what the difference is, isn't it? Anyway, so yeah, we're on a set of the Moon Knight where <laughs> so Steve is the producer of the movie and Mark Spector is the stuntman in the or actor, I guess, in the in the Moon Knight suit. In the Moon Knight suit. Basically, Marlene is, I guess, like his producer, like co producer or something like that. And they're producing a Moon Knight movie. And it quickly again immediately veers off into the the super saturated color stuff from the last set of issues to indicate that he's back in his Jake like taxi driver persona. This art's better than the last guy, though, when he does this in like the first issue of the new run. Who's actually I should also point out because it's a different penciler, I think, too. This is different art. Because it's Alfredo Torres pencil well, fuck, there's a bunch of guys penciling these. Alfredo Torres, Francesco Francavilla, and James Stoko are the pencilers in these issues. And I guess I would imagine Wilfredo Torres is the main guy. That's his super clean He's, style. Tor- Torres is the does the Steve Taylor stuff. Like the super clean stuff, yeah, that's yeah totally his style, yeah, yeah. Frankavilla is doing the the Jake Jake Walkley, I think his name, yeah, the, uh, the taxi driver stuff, and then yeah, the Stokoe is the fucking batshit like space stuff, yeah. I that's the one I'm not. It's very like it feels like 80s anime, but it's a little overdrawn and not particularly well overdrawn. I guess I'm here for the other two guys though. Yeah, sure. I was actually a lot happier with the Francesco Frankavilla version of these pages than what was yeah. in the, the last issue a little bit too cartoony these look more pretty like what i wanted these to be so yeah, i like frankavilla his 
that he did the best part of that fucking Rorschach run with Tom King, which was the art. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I, mean, I ended up like I feel bad because I just flipped through that more as an art yeah. book than I did actually reading it because they were just That's... unreadable, unreadable. So either way, yeah, we're setting up this run again, but he's starting to flip through. The, the next issue has like I think he fights werewolf by night in this issue. Or like I think that's the, the whole key to the alien guy, like the astronaut version of Moon Knight that's kind of permeates this art. The, yeah, the aliens are like werewolf aliens. Yeah, and like it's always it's Jeff Lemire paying homage to the fact that he originated in Werewolf by Night, I'm pretty sure. Uh but that stuff keeps effect I guess, whatever. I don't like any of that <laughs> stuff. It doesn't really work yeah. for me. It has it has reach like it, it's got like hints of aliens to it here and there, but it's not Yeah. Not not to my uh, taste. Yeah. The art is just just feels really unfinished and or just amateurish, I, I guess. Yeah, the art's not my favorite, but yeah. So we're back to the Franco Villa stuff in the next issue, and like I got this all just feels like Gotham Central. You know what I mean? Like they're just trying to do like yeah. that hard boiled noir stuff, which is fine. That's like what the character should be doing. I'm not even really sure what the plot of this part of the fucking book is anymore. It's, like, I mean, it's not really. It's just. It more it's basically him just like bouncing around between the different personas and you know you trying to figure out sort of what the fuck is actually going on and if any of this shit is real kind of thing and then it just ultimately ends up with him realizing yes that's what ends up happening yeah. he realizes that like he has to get his shit together and he confronts the three versions of him that are taking over his persona or like taking over his life kind of thing yeah or narrative or whatever you want to call it and he, at the time, anyway, we think, dissolves them all and takes over again as Mark Spector, as the mm-hmm. one true Mark Spector, with no more disassociative identity disorder. But it lasts for an issue and a half. Yes. <laughs> so that's cool. And they do, like, the big dissolve thing, which is interesting, because this is 2017. I think it's pre-Infinity War. Is yeah. it not? But, like, they did the dissolve thing first. I mean, not that that's an original thing, but, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Well drawn, too. I like that. Like, the guy actually kind of, like, airbrush it out. So mm-hmm. good for you. Anyway, I love that the the Mister Knight suit. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good it's a good look. I'm not supposed to talk about that Ellis run too too much, but like that is something that he did good. He yeah. really brought the character forward a lot with that. Well, who knows of if it. that was him or if that was no, it was him. Uh, Secret Avengers. Like he, well, I mean, he created that version of the character and Declan Chaffee drew it like that. That's why okay. Declan's getting. He was at the premiere actually. Okay. I'm like. All the fucking power to him. Beckham's a really nice guy. I like Beckham Chavley a lot. Super great on Twitter. He's messaged me about shit before, specifically about working with Warren, because it's something that I used to want to do all the time. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, with the next issue, we like we flash back to the beginning of Mark's life where he first meets Steven, I believe. God, I keep forgetting. I'm stoned, so sorry. Yeah. So now we're in the. This is the, this is the last arc. Yeah. yeah the last arc now. I'm in, I'm in a separate trade now, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, the last the last arc, which is uh, death and birth. Yeah, and it starts with like Steve, and it's kind of doing the origin again, where like Mark meets uh, his friend Steve and brings him home, and then he starts talking to his dad. And his dad realizes that like his new friend is another imaginary friend, although he is standing in front of a Raiders of the Lost Ark poster, and there is an elf there, Christy. I see an elf. <laughs> there is an elf. I, I did like. I appreciated yeah. the level of detail they went to in making his kid, you know, room as a child look very. 80s. Yeah. So we flash back to Moon Knight or Mr. Knight now in New York on a dune where he like we returned. We didn't talk about Gina had left the party basically in the RPG meaning of the word to stay at her diner 
in town, which always kind of acts as like Knights Moon Base, home base mm-hmm. in New York. Okay. Sometimes, I guess. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, he goes back there to get some food at this point. We never really know if this is actually New York, like this New York that ha- is like being invaded by ancient Egypt kind of thing and has like, you know, sand filling up the streets and pyramids in the middle of fucking skyscrapers and shit. And According to the Avengers issues that follow this, it is real, but yeah, okay. also that might be fake too because Doctor Strange is involved. So <laughs> who knows? At this point, it's Moon Knight. It's like a Moon Knight and Doctor Strange story, I guess. I've only read the first issue of that Avengers story. I should finish reading it. But either way, those are cool visuals, like the, yeah. the visuals of like the, the New York City, the Manhattan that's like sort of becoming merged with ancient Egypt. The fucking pencils, whenever he does something really fantasy, the penciler on this issue or on this set of issues. That's great. It's Smallwood again, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he does all of them on this one, right? Like he's kind of penciling everything. Yeah, he's got that, that, like, he's got that cool, like, uh, just straight pencils, no inks kind of look to his art, too, which I was, mm-hmm. I kind of like sometimes. It's not my style, but, like, I understand people who like that. Very modeled. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he, he's got a, um, very skilled Loomis inspired hand. He's very good. His, his rendering is, like, impeccable. Quite, quite, quite good, this guy. He should be doing more stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna geek right him for something, actually. Oh, is he working on your side of the street these days? Is yep, that why? he is indeed with Tom King. That makes sense. Yeah, actually, you know what? This does look like, I mean, this is obviously from the, he would, he did Rorschach, right? Were you just talking about this? No, oh, that was Frank Avila. What did he just draw? Like when we get, he's drawing something right now with Tom King. It looks familiar, that's all I'm saying. Oh, oh, you're reading that one. I know what it is, I can't, I can't fucking, the name of the series <laughs> is not coming to me right now, sorry. Either way, Mr. Knight goes, and we 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 kind of do the, the backstory where like his dad first brings him to the psychiatrist and all that kind of stuff, and he finds mm-hmm. out that like he's very sick, and it's the first time he sees Conchu, and Conchu's in the suit with the, the bird skull head. I yeah. fucking love that image, like that. Yeah, that design's great. If they fucking crank that right for that show, oh mm-hmm. boy, oh that's gonna work real nice, boys. It's gonna work real nice. I'm just kind of sitting here, sorry, I'm flipping back and forth between the. The pages and i'm mostly just looking at the illustration i'm like i don't give a shit what's happening this <laughs> he's so good at this this is what i was talking about is the to be continued page this may inspire an entirely fucking separate set of prints for me like the dude <laughs> riding the praying mantis thing oh yeah with the whatever those th- i guess they're supposed to be dragonflies but they, they look like locusts and the floating pyramids and shit which is totally an aesthetic that i hit on all the time anyway all that weird like oh all your metal tool illustrations oh, like and shit. weird like yeah. illuminati horse shit fucking yeah. conspiracy theory nonsense for me it's my art all this weird like trees and stuff like that yeah so, like i was like oh my god this is a metal cover give it to me so yeah <laughs> the next issue is like him in whatever conchu's version of like haunted egypt like we first he flashed back to like his real world and again the doctor and like the two orderlies are there yeah like as when he's young and like we have a flashback to when his dad died, and like he like disassociates basically in front of his mother, like in the funeral, <laughs> yeah, or at the at the wake, kind of thing, and becomes Jake, and like jumps out the window to go out and be Moon Knight, and then it flashes back to this like dope as shit, like alien Egypt. This is what fucking Stargate should have looked like if they'd had a budget, basically, <laughs> version of the universe where Mister Knight like gets in a fight and like he's the guy with a rock and shit, and they he duel they duel on fucking giant dragonflies i don't fuck man like yeah. 
you know? Mr. Knight loses. Mr. Knight totally loses. And we flash back to uh, Spectre's time in the military where he's kicked out, dishonorably discharged for basically lying on his application. Yeah, it's... Uh... I can't remember what the stamp is or whatever, but when they, discharged is the, well, they, uh, they like stamp something on your file or whatever when they figure out that you're mentally unfit to serve. It's like being 4F back in the day, I think. I don't remember. He says it too. Um, yeah. I'm just going to look for the dialogue. Because I have to read as opposed to look at the pretty pictures. They do say dishonorably discharged. Either way, he ends up like we flash back again. He ends up imprisoned by, I think this is Seth's people he's being imprisoned by now. I don't, yes. At this point, I'm all confused, right? And he finds Anubis's wife. And at one point, Anubis, he goes back to Anubis to ask to get Crawley's soul back. And but he says, no, he's like, the only way you'll get it back is if you find something for me while you're out in the other void. You yep. won't know what it is until you see it, though. He doesn't tell him what it is. And then he immediately knows what it is when he like happens upon Unput. Unput. Anubis's wife. And yeah, he runs into her after he's been imprisoned. So we're flashing back between like his delusional version of like mindscape Egypt and his path as a soldier of fortune, like mercenary, where he first mm-hmm. meets Frenchie and starts doing like merc stuff. Like in the his mind space, he's been imprisoned and he's about to be sacrificed by like some dude. I can't remember who it's supposed to be, but it's like an Egyptian, like a pharaoh or something like that. And then Moon Knight rescues him because of course the guys that he disintegrated in the last issue weren't really disintegrated and you can't get rid of the other aspects of Moon Knight because then you don't have a character because whatever you just suppressed them he hadn't successfully you know yeah completely gotten rid of them yeah so he at that point Moon Knight saves Mark and they escape together we flash again to Mark as mercenary where he finds this guy called the wolf and they do his like first kind of like mission as a mercenary and they're just showing you like how it didn't exactly go to plan kind of thing. And we cut back to, again, you're just cutting back and forth between one of his flashbacks and his adventure in his weird brain. Mm-hmm. Eventually they all escape because the astronaut guy stops them or whatever. I think also it's not Mark who finds and put it's Jake or Steven. Steven finds and put in the, Steven is the one that the problem is they're both modeled off of the same guy. So it's hard to tell them apart in the art. It's it's Mr. Knight that finds Enput, but then it's Steven that gets who gets her out of the out of the cell. Either way, astronaut guy stops all this stuff from happening. They all get on his ship and escape. And like they leave reality that way. Which is shaped like a moon, of course. Well, everything is shaped like a moon. It's called Moon Knight, Tim. It'd be like a (laughs) Batman book where all the shit wasn't shaped like bat dog shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or bat bat apostrophe something or back pulling something or whatever what is that yes. pulling no hyphen hyphen my brain <laughs> anyway punctuation is important it is it's also difficult <laughs> anyway so they got dude back and we get a flashback to his thing and we meet bushmaster for the first time or bushman is it bushman or bushmaster? bushman yeah bushman for the first time in this series we've gone back to the origin mm-hmm Nice, kind of came full circle in the end. I mean, it did actually end up. I mean, yeah, it's kind of reintroducing the origin of the character because they do yeah. this every time is the problem, right? Like they relaunch it, and this is volume nine. They relaunch the introduction to characters. This is volume seven, but, but uh, yes, no, this is volume <laughs> eight, I think, because volume seven was uh, warrants. 
No, Vol. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're oh, right. Sorry. Volume 7 was Warren. Volume yeah. 8 was Lemire. There was uh, something called Legacy, which was maybe yeah. a mini or something like that. The Age of Ponchu happened in the Avengers, and then Volume 9 happened, basically. Yeah. Deciding to take over Earth in order to protect it, Ponchu compels Moon Knight to acquire power for him. Seriously, I, I, I'm kind of curious because like, I think he goes and like steals Mjolnir, which is just interesting to me. It's <laughs> like, how do you get Mjolnir away from. Maybe Jane Foster at the time, too. Maybe she's kind of back there right now. She's kick, starting to kick around now that uh, uh, Thor 4 is coming. Well, it's 2019, that's where he was. So maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. That, that Jason Aaron run went for fucking ever. Anyway, so he ends up back in his mindscape. They get Crowley out, and he goes and they finally he finally finds Ponchu in the mindscape of that he's in, and he ends up sinking into his own brain. And we flash back to his time with Bushman again. Basically retelling the origin again. <laughs> We're retelling the origin again, where we see him like we see Marlene's father die, and like him die, and all that other stuff. Yeah. And this is the entire time the construct of Ponchu that's inside his head is talking to him, and he's getting into a fight with it, and it's telling him not to hurt his own brain, but. He doesn't give a shit. He just does it anyway. His brain's fucked enough already. He's like, whatever. His brain's completely <laughs> fucked. He's like, whatever. And then, like, at that point, I think they kill Frenchie, too. Like, Bushman, we watch Bushman kill Frenchie. Like, that's what the... Is that how it ends? No, it's not Bushman that kills... Oh, no. Frenchie doesn't die. It's somebody else who dies. Anyway. Well, Frenchie dies, but, like, in... I don't in know. We don't know if it's real or not. Yeah, right? uh, I don't know. Or, like, that's in the, in the flashback or something like that. Anyway... The last issue of this run basically starts with him like becoming Moon Knight again. He dies in front of the temple or whatever, and we see him talk to Tonshu one more time. And then it cuts to now, and he walks in to see Marlene. Like he wants to talk to Marlene, but he ends up walking in on Emmett and the two fucking uh, orderlies again, who give him an injection, and then him and Tonshu like. Like he starts flipping back and forth now again because of course yeah. whatever. Everything's kind of merging now and over. Yeah, and everything's sort of like collapsed. So he wakes up as Mark Spector back in the day and then wakes up again. Like he like he just keeps flashing back and forth around. Yeah, it's like the events are happening simultaneously kind of thing. Him yeah. waking up in the temple of Kanshu and him waking up in the asylum being electroshock therapied. Yeah. So he eventually escapes the, the team that are electroshock therapying him and like gets out to the roof and he confronts Kanchu and Kanchu starts flipping him through like various realities or whatever and he sees the werewolf and then he sees Bushman he has a fight with Bushman and he ends up kind of winning when Bushman just disappears and is able to like turn around and destroy Kanchu by crushing his head as all of them like all of the specter versions symbolic of him reintegrating all his personalities again yes. into one cohesive being except apparently it only works so long as Kanshu goes completely insane and steals Mjolnir like two months later in Avengers sure I guess oh fuck you know what I mean yeah uh, so that's basically the end of this he puts his takes the thing off he's had a broken nose for the entire run basically he takes the tape off the nose and he puts the Mr. Knight mask back on, back on and you could basically read this as the beginning of the Warren Ellis run because he just goes out on the streets of New York and starts solving crimes as Mr. Knight. <laughs> At least that's how it reads at the end of this and that's how the end of, beginning of that run starts so this is a prequel to one. Well this run does continue on just just not with this it writer. Does. Yeah it goes on with a, a couple other writers but it probably goes into the, exactly that kind of stuff. Yeah. He just goes off and starts solving crimes. They, use, they do play the Mr. Knight character as kind of a I mean he's, they play him as 
he's able to enter the minds of killers quite easily because he is mentally disturbed. Not super accurate, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So that's kind of Jeff Lemire's run on Moon Knight. That's a, yeah. not exactly the most succinct way of putting it, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I always enjoy Jeff Lemire's writing. It's always on point. He, he does a good job of taking pretty complex concepts and storylines and making them pretty digestible, but he's also good at like the mind fuck kind of shit too. And this kind of yeah. carries all of that together. I like this a lot better than his last Marvel work that I read. Like he did a run on Wolverine that I was like, it's not bad. It's just, I was like, Oh, okay. This is definitely yeah. a Wolverine run. I mean, the, the Lemire stuff that I'm most familiar with is his work on Swamp Thing and Animal Man. Yeah. And this feels very reminiscent of that yep. because it's similar in that, you know, it's taking places in these sort of like outside of the normal realm kind of areas and stuff like that. These, you know, the the green and the red and all of that and in those stories. And now we've got like the other void and all of these fucking weird mindscapes and shit like that here too. So it really, uh, really works for me in that way. Yeah. He's back right now, actually. I was just reading a uh, Devil's Reign tie in with the night. So. Oh. But it's tying into the uh, that Devil's Reign arc that I've been reading okay. um, because it's like I mean obviously Devil's Reign is tied back to Daredevil run that I've been flowing for years now or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get back to that soon enough because that when uh, Devil's Reign six comes out that'll be the end of that I think. We'll have to see if we get him to finish it up, finish that run up. Yeah, there were some really interesting page layouts. Like the art in general, mm-hmm. I would say like. 80 90 percent of the time was fucking solid uh anything greg did was like the shit like he's yeah the, the smallwood stuff was really yeah. really good which is like the bulk of that first run and the bulk of the the that last arc as well such like a marvel like run uh where like the first and third trades have like the lead artist on it and the second trades <laughs> kind of sh- like shifty between a couple guys it's almost the same complaint you had about daredevil when we did that run we did right we're like it was like the first the Chiquetto pages were mostly the first run and the third yeah. chunk, but the second chunk was like uh, filling guys. In this case, it was clearly done entirely on purpose, though, right? Yes. Because they were they were dividing up the art by which personality was in charge of Moon Knight or whatever, Spectre, whatever you want to call it at the time, right? Sometimes ways to get pages done faster can also be masked by interestingly good storytelling like Lemire might just be good enough to mask <laughs> that kind of shit by using those different voices or those different artistic voices to kind of wrap his story up Moon Knight is a character that allows for that kind of shit quite easily so why would you not yeah, play into it, it that ended up working and, and so you know it's hard to know in hindsight unless we you know were to go and like dig up fucking interviews and shit like that if it was always planned that way mm. or if it did just end up because I mean obviously Smallwood was able to fucking keep up with the monthly book yeah, because right? he's you know runs of four or five issues where he's doing all of it kind of thing. So they just gave him they give him a good lead too. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that too. You, <laughs> like that. It, it's always nice to have. A, if you're gonna do six issues, if you have two months ahead of time. You can hit your six month deadline. You know what I mean? Like hit your yeah. monthly deadline with a, then take some time off in between. And I think that's how most guys do it now. Who are like monthly guys? I don't know anybody who does like just straight straight like monthly monthly, except for like nutbags like Stuart Eminent and stuff. Like back when they would do like, I do eighteen books a fucking year. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leave some for me to do, or not? I guess. 
there were also some really cool page layouts as well that were yeah. playing playing with the the panels and the way that they were laying all that out, which was uh, which was pretty cool. There's a lot of white space uh, yes. on some of the pages, which well, yeah. you know I guess works with the characters aesthetic, yep. right? Yep. Uh, I like. I mean, like even the covers and stuff like that were like totally working for me. Some really I, the covers were reminding me a lot of those Daredevil covers for sure. Like very striking. Some have like you know just a few colors to them, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, he did the covers, didn't he? Like Rick Smallwood, Smallwood, the yeah, did all yeah. the covers for yeah, these no, two. I was pretty happy with the uh, with the covers. I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess it just depends on who your cover artist is. Like, I like the way Marvel handles their covers lately, and this has yeah. been this worked out for me pretty well. These are super like stark graphic covers. I really like them quite mm-hmm. a bit. Like they're very like if I saw this on a rack, it would catch my eye. Basically, which yeah. is always something I like to see in a comic. Like even just like the, the cover of issue two. That could totally be a kick poster for basically anybody. The triangle, like triangles and oh, triangles yeah. kind of thing. I'm like, holy shit, that's like, I'm yeah. stealing that. Sorry, Smallwood. Uh, I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> you know. Like I said, the, the only art that I wasn't a fan of was the Jason or James Tokoi. Yeah. The, the moon sequences. It was just felt like a sort of shitty Star Fox knockoff to me. Like some teenagers, like high school doodles, especially that general Lupinar character. What it kind of had, uh, it had a lot of like, it's very evocative of like some European comics, like kind of like heavy metal, kind of like that kind of aesthetic, which is like, I get it, but it's, it's not, not my as well fucking done. deal. <laughs> well, no, there's also that, like, they're not drawn by Morbius. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, Morbius didn't draw that. So it's yeah. not going to be as good. Sorry, <laughs> Tim. There were some of them where, like, it was just the proportions were fucking wrong, yeah. or he chose to draw the characters from. Like a dead on angle and he just couldn't fucking get the perspective right and shit like that or like the face was like half like on the like 20% on the wrong side of the head or some shit this is also a book like historically has had Bill Sinkovich as the main penciler <laughs> Fair. dude does some walk to do fucking weird shit he's more famous like I like his stuff more as a painter like cover painter like when he does like Daredevil covers and shit, when it's like more like kind of stylized and like expressionistic, mm-hmm. but like his pencils, it's like catchy Neil Adams, which is not what I want for my Neil Adams ripoff. I want them to be more like a good Neil Adams ripoff, you know, like Jim Lee. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Like keep those forms solid. Where I find this stuff a little sketchy. His, his stuff always a little sketchy. Not Smallwood. I'm not talking about Greg Smallwood. Greg Smallwood's a draftsman of the first order. He's got the fucking goods here. But uh, yeah, Sinkovich, eh. he's a bit of a crank too. So I just kind of like whatever. <laughs> you ever see his Twitter shit? Like he's no, I don't follow him on Twitter. He's the uh, he's a character, so he's just cranky. <laughs> he's a little right wingy, like mega you right now. It's just nuts, you know. Talented artist, but sometimes these guys <laughs> spend too much time alone. I-, I was a little hesitant going into this, and I'm a little hesitant going into the Disney Plus series. Knowing that, you know, basically mental illness is such a primary component of this character. But in this case, I, I thought that Lemire handled it pretty deftly overall. Like, he, he sort of, at points, he's sort of like really treating Mark's disorder as an advantage rather than a disability, right? Because yeah. talking like it's, it's what allows him to help him see the world differently than other people. And like, it's when he, stops fighting his disorder but you know really starts to just try and cope with it and make it work and function alongside it kind of thing that he really sort of 
succeeds, right? In the end. Yeah. 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 The character's always kind of had that, like, he has to work through his illness to kind of become effective as a character. The problem I have is that we, they have to, they redo it. Like, you never really get it, like, a run of him just being that character. It's always like, we're always rebooting. So he was just like, redoing him getting to the point where he's an effective character and the next time you see him it's like rebooted again he has to do it again because it's a mm-hmm. reboot three years later or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah no i agree like this this whole run is like actually i i feel like we may have read a bunch of spoilers for what we're about to watch <laughs> that's like if they if the disney plus series gives mark's mental illness the same sort of thoughtful nuanced treatment that we got here then I, that would definitely lessen my hesitation for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like, agreed. I, I wonder if we did just stumble onto like the run that they're going to kind of like. Whereas everybody's thinking it's just going to be the the Ellis run. I mean, I mean, because of Mister Knight, I think a lot of people are, and they, because Declan has been involved in some of the promotion stuff, like he was invited mm-hmm. to the uh, premiere and whatnot. And as well, he should be. Declan's fucking awesome. I don't want to talk about Declan in the same breath as Warren. Like, whatever. Declan's not the same dude. Yeah. And it's just like a fucking awesome penciler, right? Like he's a workman artist, basically. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but he got invited to that kind of stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I, I would assume they're going more on the Lemire side because this kind of feels like a really good origin story. If I had watched this as the show, I'd have been happy with it, probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although yeah. now, if I watch the show and it's exactly this, I'm gonna be like, well, <laughs> I feel like it would have to be cut differently, though, right? Like, yes, absolutely. I feel like they're gonna have to give us some origin for the character because it's yeah. not a character where people are familiar with the origin so in that way i don't know that i would recommend this series like the lemire series on its own as a jumping on point for the character kind of thing right because it assumes a lot of knowledge about the character and its history and you know different personalities and supporting cast and shit and plus like there's some fucking issues in here where you don't see moon knight at all either as mr knight or as moon knight right it's just mark specter kind of thing I think it actually works okay as an origin. If you were going to do it, it w- I think it works as an origin. If if you were to put that, uh, the, you know, the the retelling of the origin that's at the end towards the start. If you actually like, if you basically did, you read it the way we read it, where we read the number one, yeah. the old number one, and then read <laughs> yeah. this. Like if the, the the old number one was like the cold open of the show, yeah. and then they did this as the show, this show is going to be pretty good. Yeah, like I don't think they need to even necessarily do a whole episode origin or anything like that, right? I think, yeah, if they do like five or ten minutes yep, or something. ten minutes of yeah. it, basically. Like, yep. he just needs to clap in front of the fucking thing. And then you see Khonshu come out and yeah. you know, tell him that he's saved him. And, they, yeah. and then you go into the first episode or whatever, right? Yeah, and then you do a big time jump into the present and Mark yep. Spector in New York or wherever. Kind of London, thing. I think it looks like they're kind of going for. Although that might just be the accent he's using at in the previous stuff. Yeah, apparently so. he's using a English accent for the Steven Taylor persona. Fair enough. I'm excited for like him, like being in Marvel. Oscar Isaac, yeah. Because I know like he was talking about being kind of hesitant after Star Wars. Uh, wasn't super using him kindly, basically. Made him look yeah. like an idiot, basically. <laughs> And then didn't use them for three movies. <laughs> and then made a big fuss about him being in those three movies. And he basically got to make Come Fuck Me Eyes at Harry Russell. Actually, not even Harry Russell's stunt double. And then get turned down. Most of the time, yeah, probably. Yeah, and then get turned down on top of that. I just, I felt bad for him. I'm glad he's in Marvel as like a dope character now that like, I'm going to enjoy the show probably. So, yeah. You, so, yeah, we want to wrap this up. We're fucking, we're just sitting here rambling about Marvel bullshit. 
Yeah, the last few things that I wanted to say. One, it was it was interesting to see the Egyptian gods because I don't get to see that much on the on the DC side of the street. They don't play in that sandbox very much. You know, they're more most more Greek gods. I feel like we have like they've they've carved out the mythologies quite effectively between the two yeah. companies because you get the Greek guys a lot, the Greek and Roman guys a lot, right? Yeah, and then you get like Norse and we get more of the Norse guys, and we get, yeah, the Egyptian stuff happens because of Moon Knight more so. I mean, but again, yeah. it's like the way it's exactly like I said when we described it. It's the, the they take on Egyptian mythology and Moon Knight is is as accurate to the real world Egyptian mythology as Thor is to real world Norse mythology, and to say that it is not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it has that stuff to it. I guess the the DC Roman pantheon isn't super fucking accurate to the real myth either right i don't know i don't spend a ton of time reading wonder woman i guess which is where they primarily show up well it depends right there's some that have been very true to the greek sort of you know traditional versions of the characters and then there's shit like that azarello run right that that it you know sort of reinvented all of those but even that i like so i guess i don't know whatever all those greek pantheon gods but cool I mean, the writing definitely does a good job of like keeping you off guard and unsure of what is and what isn't real. So it does a pretty good job of kind of putting you in Mark's mindset, you know, bouncing between realities and personalities and that kind of thing. But the flip side of that is that it's hard to know what the actual stakes are when you have no idea what the fuck is real and what's not. Besides, obviously, like Mark's sanity is part of the. That, uh, and like, stakes, and that right? was kind of my, my wrap up comment to this is like i like this because it's like it's a fun romp and like the art's amazing and like i had fun reading the story but i never get the sense that there's any actual stakes and it's part of the Mm -hmm. problem that i have with the moon knight characters you're always kind of in his head so i'm never sure what is real or what is actually a threat or what is going on period with the character i'm always like do why do i give a shit right yeah and when is this just going to get rebooted to be part of his imagination or like his like troubled multiple like choice path basically right yeah so he's a character that's hard to like for me to invest in because of that it's like half the time the next run is going to erase the run before it and you're like well okay <laughs> like who cares at all Where, how do i get invested in this right yeah. like if whereas like i yeah. can go when i go back to daredevil or spidey like what happened before still affects the character that like I'm reading today, basically, mm. right? It's not just like, and I get that's like kind of a, it's one of those things where like that's the disadvantage of this character specifically. So we'll have mm. to see. But I, but I'm just curious, like how do people buy into this long term? Like for everybody, you know what I mean? Like as we're about to go into the series specifically, how are we gonna get? How are they gonna make me buy into this? So that like I want to see Moon Knight season two when this season is done, right? Yeah. Or do I want to see him show up in Secret Avengers? Or do I want to see him? get stuck into a situation where him and Matt and Spidey are in some horrible fucking fight for their lives and Matt and Spidey don't actually know if they can trust this crazy fucker who's standing there next to them. When he's not the POV character, which he wouldn't be in yes. a situation where he's on a team or interacting with other established characters, that sort of thing, then, you know, you are pretty sure that what you're looking at is, you know, in continuity, real kind of yeah. thing. Whereas like when he's the POV character, it's like the very fucking def- definition of an unreliable narrator, right? But they, they even make comments about that in here where, like, he's acted as Wolverine or Captain America in his own head. And yeah. They talk about it in the, in the, in this. Like, so I'm like, wow, does that mean, like, we could see him do a crossover 
But if it's in his book or his his show, yeah, does that mean it's just in his head and that Spider Man wasn't actually there? He just imagines Spidey be like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, always yeah. that question. Whereas like when I read Spider Man, I'm reasonably sure Spider Man and Daredevil talk, and it's going to be like a continuity thing where like you might refer back. To you'll be able to reference them. Yeah, like they can refer back to that conversation at some point. Yeah. Like when, when Spidey and Daredevil talked in the the run we read, they'll be able to refer back to like. Yeah, remember that time I told you to fuck off and stop being Daredevil? Like they'll be able to <laughs> go back to that, right? Yeah. So there. Anyway, so that's my big problem with Moon Knight. Not just this run, but like big problem with Moon Knight overall as a character. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that for sure. But this like overall nine out of 10. so actually eight eight and a half, pretty good run. I, like I would totally recommend people read this. I do feel like it might be spoilers though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I'd be so. cool if it was for sure. Uh, yeah. With the exception of maybe the fucking space shit, they'd make that work. You know, they <laughs> they would make it a joke on like Buzz Lightyear, which means they just could make get to make fun of Chris Isaac or uh, Chris Isaac. Chris Evans. Sorry, I was listening to Chris Isaac earlier. Uh yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah, it's Chris Evans, right? Who's playing the Lightyear? Oh, Chris Evans the... or Chris Pine? It's one of the no, Chris. No, 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 no. It's Chris Evans who's playing the new Buzz Lightyear because Chris Pine's busy going back to space in the Star Trek stuff now. <laughs> that he still hasn't seen a script for you mean well i mean like that's that's never gonna stop the guys who write have you been watching picard that's not gonna stop anybody who's <laughs> writing those scripts Tim. no i haven't i'm I'm almost through discovery it's not gonna stop anybody who's producing star trek currently yeah. from producing a movie that they don't have a script <laughs> there you go so for me moon knight or especially this this lemire uh, series was like an eight out of ten like it yeah, kept it me good. pretty well engaged overall is just that that one art style that every time it fucking came up i just really took me out of it so i was i just lost any investment anytime that that came like i got pulled right back in anytime we got back to the fucking smallwood art because it's just fantastic so amir's art is great smallwood's art is great frank avila's art is good and uh, who's the other dude that did the oh the torah's art torah's art pretty good as well so yeah i like you know we've got you know that the that space art is maybe like ten percent or fifteen percent of the fucking run overall yeah. kind of thing, so you can overlook it, and it ends up being relatively inconsequential the whole fucking thing, anyways. So, yeah, I, I eight out of ten. I think you know if you're looking for a run to kind of brush up on before the Moon Knight series, this is definitely a decent option. I will agree with that. With that, we'll move on to our final segment, which is Geek Cred, where one of just each of us recommends something for you to check out we think you might like. Mark, what's your Geek Cred for this week? I mean, I wish I had like a good one because all I've done is play fucking Elden Ring. <laughs> Elden Ring. It's like if you can play Elden Ring, go do that because you'll enjoy it. If you like, obviously, if you're <laughs> into that, you're probably already playing it, so it doesn't really matter. I don't know, man. That's all I've been doing really, like, playing Elden Ring and listening to like horrible, like just horrible metal, just like the shit. That would like take the fucking pain off your walls. So I don't have a ton of stuff to recommend to anybody right now. Don't do what I'm doing, which is hiding from the world. Because I hate <laughs> everybody right now. Anyway, no, I don't want to recommend. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to recommend part of this week. It's not <laughs> great. I watched the Catwoman Unleashed, the new DVD. Oh, the animated? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't terrible. Okay. Um, I had a good time with it. It's kind of an art deco y kind of like art style to it. Like kind of a throwback fifties kind of feel That's to the cool. art. Actually, the Greg Smallwood stuff that we looked at today, it kind of evoked a little bit of familiarity mm-hmm. with that Catwoman thing. What is it called though? Catwoman Unleashed, I think. 
Catwoman Hunted? Yep, Catwoman Hunted. That's the one. It's called Catwoman Hunted. It just it actually came out at the end of last year, I guess. I don't know. 2021? I think. Yeah, I don't know when it came out. Oh, no, I watched that this week while I was doing some work. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Oh, Stephanie Beatrice did that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who did Catwoman's voice in it? Got kind of an anime flavor to it. Elizabeth Gillies? Yes. Yeah, I know. I know the name. It was fun. So go watch that if you actually need me to recommend you something that isn't Elden Ring. Other than otherwise, <laughs> go get fucking Elden Ring and get good because that's what you got to do because it's hard. Shit. Lauren Cohen is Julia Pennyworth. Keith yeah. David is Tobias Whale. Jonathan Frakes is King Faraday. Yep. It was fun. It wasn't like the best one of those, but it was fun. So there you go. <laughs> My recommendation for this week is. The, the Human Target, which is DC's current That's what it is. <laughs> 12 issue it. mini maxi series, whatever you want to call it, 12 issue series, which is written by Tom King, art also by Greg Smallwood. Yep. It feels very sort of noir and pulpy, and Smallwood's art fits really perfect with that feeling. Is it done? Uh, no, it's only, I think, maybe five issues in or something like that. So it's still more than half of it to go. But uh, the Human Target. The character of the human target is sort of just a, you know, C or D list DC character, but he's basically a guy that like puts himself, he's a decoy. Basically he puts himself into situations where, you know, somebody is going to be attacked or something like that. And he, you know, disguises himself as them and tries and like, will take the hit for them or whatever. And, you know, like wear armor. So he doesn't get killed. So in this case, he, this story, he ends up poisoned by somebody that's trying to assassinate Lex Luthor, like he was standing in for Luthor. And uh, sort of each issue is one day of the remainder of his life as he tries to like determine the culprit who poisoned him and like find an antidote or a treatment or something like that. It's been going through a lot of those early 90s Justice League characters, like the the Giffen Demetrius era. I saw in a lot of the uh, cover art stuff that have been popping up. That small yeah, it's like Ice and Fire and Booster yeah. Gold and Blue Beetle and all those uh, and like Martian Manhunter. I was literally planning on buying the trade of this just for the art. Oh yeah, After art's the great. Fact. So I was like, I I at some point was going to recommend this book, but yeah. uh, I'm not a prick like you and won't do it halfway through the fucking run. I'll wait for the <laughs> trades out where everybody can fucking get at it, read the whole yeah. thing. Uh, so in six weeks or six months when it's completely <laughs> finished, I'll recommend Human Target because yeah, art's, uh, art's I, been great so far. The story's been pretty engaging, and he fucking posts art to his Twitter and or his Instagram or wherever I follow him on social media. I'm just like, I hate <laughs> you, you prick. <laughs> it's so fucking real good. pretty. Yeah, it's so pretty. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So with that, we can finish off this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you would like to. Talk to us about anything we talked about this episode, any of the news we discussed, or Moon Knight as a character, or this run in particular, or even just things you're excited about for the show. You can talk to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can tweet at me directly at DRD underscore Tim and tweet at Mark directly at M underscore roulette. You can email us at dance robot dance podcast gmail.com and if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places that podcasts can be found. With that, say goodnight, Mark. Good night, everybody. This is Tim wondering 
how it feels for Mark to have your only namesake comic book character be one that's basically known for being a colloquial nut job. Would it are like would it surprise you to not be that like it's not that strange? <laughs> there really aren't any other marks in comics. No, there's actually. no other marks with the C. There's no. it was Mark. I can't remember his last name, but uh, Manhunter in DC, yeah. his name yeah. is Mark. It's Mark, yeah. Mark with a K. Um, I don't know. I can't even remember. If there's another Mark with a K in Marvel. Uh, yeah, there isn't a ton of Mark with C's in anywhere. Nope. I've got Tim Drake. That's about it. Did you see my namesake, Mr. Hamill, saying that we should I all did. just start spelling our name with a Q U E? And I was like, I'm fucking on board. Yeah, it's the Frenchest <laughs> way possible to spell it. I was going to say, you just want to amplify your Frenchness to the nth degree kind of thing. As well, I'm not getting fucking hired for anything anyway, so I may as well just be like the snotty Frenchman that nobody fucking wants around. So. <laughs> there you go. Just start calling yourself Mobius. Maybe there will be just I some might... mistaken identity. Maybe, yeah. I was, I was actually thinking about changing my Twitter handle to M-A-R-Q-U-E, just to fucking <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. Talk to you next week, folks. <laughs>